Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the first ever podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 2021, with a focus on the building blocks of happy humans and how health coaches support along the way. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be outdated. For the latest compendium of research, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report. We enjoy bringing you each and every episode, and it would mean a lot if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. Well, hello, sex, drugs. We know why you're here because we're talking about sex and drugs. How awesome is this? I'm Jessica DeMassa. I'm the executive producer and host of WTF Health, which is like, who else would you pick to moderate this panel about sex and drugs? Somebody with a show called WTF Health. But I usually talk to the who's who of health tech and healthcare innovation. And these ladies that you're going to meet here are some of them. And they're also revolutionizing the way that we do coaching, focusing on some of these issues that have been taboo, maybe unmentionable up until this point. And so we're going to get a check-in with them about the state of play, about cannabis coaching, sexual health coaching. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how you can bring some of this stuff into your own practices if you're coaches that are in other areas. And then, yeah, just kind of see where the conversation goes. So without further ado, let's introduce this very, very sexy, very high panel. I don't know. I don't know how to lead that in. Maybe not. Let's hope not. All right. So um, we have Emily Athena, the founder and sexual wellness coach from Aerospark Movement. Say hi, Emily. Um, Billy Quinlan, she's the CEO and founder of Furley. Um, and Corinne Tobias, she's the co-founder and also a cannabis coach at Wake and Bake. And she's also the co-founder of the Cannabis Coaching Institute. So ladies, thank you for joining me here today. Oh, Hello. Yeah, so excited that the Your Coach Health and um, Your Coach Health Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium here has decided to dedicate, you know, a little bit of time to talk about these types of coaching. So to get us started, you know what, let's just like level set real quickly. I'd like to hear what each of you do. So in case there's any kind of confusion about what a sexual health coach does or what a cannabis coach does, um, I want to clear that up right off the bat so that everybody can enjoy the conversation that we're going to have. So Corinne, let's start with you. I mean, if we can hear, you know, what does a cannabis coach do? I have to admit, this is the first time I had ever heard of a cannabis coach and I'm like, oh really? So yeah, let us know, what do you do? It happens a lot because cannabis has been prohibited for a very, very long time. And so um, when I tell people that I'm a cannabis coach, that's always the first question. So a cannabis coach is simply a health coach, a well-trained, experienced health coach who specializes in guiding their clients around cannabis to get healthier. It's really quite simple, but it's one of the most dynamic practices um, that I've ever done as a health and wellness professional. Um, so it's really fun. And thank you so much for having me here today. Sure. Real quick follow. How did you get into this? Did you like, did you invent this or did somebody like pull you in? Kind of. Yeah. Uh, so I was writing about cannabis. Um, I was here in Colorado when we legalized in 2013. And so I was doing recipe development and teaching people how to uh, make their own medicine. And I quickly started getting all these questions from people about cannabis and how to use it to get healthier. And I realized that when people ask you questions about cannabis, they're asking about questions, questions about how to get better, how to feel better. And so I realized really quickly that I was going to have to get trained as a health coach so I could support them in feeling better and in getting better, as well as teaching them about cannabis. And so it was very organic. It just kind of happened. Um, and yeah, I, could, I guess we, we did kind of invent the profession and now we train other people on how to do it. I love it. This is a nice invention. All right, let's talk about sex here with these two ladies. So Emily, we'll start with you. Why don't you tell us about the types of sexual health coaching that you do? Yeah, so I am a somatic sexual wellness coach, and I created a movement program called Aerospark Movement, which is somatic sensual movement to help folks release stress and rediscover their desire. So essentially, what I do is I help people move through sexual trauma, confusion, stress, distress, shame, and move toward and embody their sexual confidence, fulfillment, pleasure, and desire. 
All right, quick question here. I'm gonna just go for it. There are no thing, no such things as dumb questions. What does somatic mean? Like when you say somatic. Yeah, yeah, great question. Somatic Thank really you. is, <laughs> yeah. Somatic means of the body. So yeah, for this sensual, a lot of sensual movement is kind of about the performance and what it looks like and like being for the viewer. But this is really about what it feels like on the inside to cultivate pleasure and what feels good and let that move people toward their arousal and then toward their desire. Okay. No, that's cool. That's, I'm glad I asked because it's not what I thought it meant. Okay. Billy, on to you. Tell us about the type of coaching that you guys provide over there at Furley. Sure. So we are a digital therapeutic. So all of our therapy is remote um, and it's digitally provided through an app. And we use something called a biopsychosocial approach. So this is quite academic, but what it means define is, it. <laughs> what it means is the bio is the biology, so the body, then the psycho is the psychology, so the mind, and then the sociology is the world around us. Um, and it's looking at the intersection of these three areas, like a Venn diagram. And that's how we really help women understand their sexuality and move to a place of really amazing sexual wellness. Okay. I want to know how stigmatized this stuff still is. Is it very stigmatized still? I think let's start on the sex side. I think Billy, I'll start with you first. So like when you're, when, I mean, a digital therapeutic for those who might not know, this is like the world I live in covering health tech. It's like, it's been clinically validated to help with certain types of indications, you know? And so I feel like over the last, like, I don't know, a couple of years, especially through this pandemic, when people have been through hell, it's like, yeah, whatever will work to fix this. Maybe you're home more having better sex. Maybe it is, you know, you're experimenting with cancer whatever it is for a mental health purpose but like how stigmatized is this conversation still about people or especially women wanting to have better sex can you give us like a state of play on that yes I'm really glad that you kind of mentioned women in that because I think there is a different stigma attached to both genders here so if we look at the male sexual wellness space if we look at sexual dysfunctions for example most of us probably can name what male sexual dysfunctions are if we ask the same question and talk about female sexual difficulties and dysfunctions, most of us look blank. You know, when we have these conversations with women or investors or partners, their response is, women have sexual difficulties? Well, what even are they? Yeah, I mean, I just thought women didn't- How hard is it to lay there? How hard is it to lay exactly. there? Exactly, lay back and think of England, as we say here. But, um, but, it, but that's the truth. And we have a multi-billion dollar industry around male sexual difficulties and male sexual dysfunctions because it's seen as necessary for procreation. And we've always prioritized you know, male pleasure over female pleasure. So there is a broad stigma around sex for everyone, regardless, but there is definitely a greater stigma for women who are still trying to move through their sexuality, move to a really great place of it. And there's still that, dominant feeling that if you're a woman exploring your sexuality or trying to improve your sexuality uh that you're some sort of like sex fiend rather than just a woman who wants to move back to a really amazing balance with her sexual wellness so unfortunately there is still a huge stigma and there's a lot of shame in this space that we have to unpack I mean Emily I'm sure does a lot of this in her work as well um, and it's really unfortunate but I think there has been a tide like a changing tide in the last couple of years as you said um, Jess like through the pandemic people have really understood the importance of intimacy and closeness and their relationships and been prioritizing that. Um, sex toy sales kind of skyrocketed, skyrocketed through the pandemic, which is fantastic. So there is, a, there is a broader acceptance of sex as a really important pillar of our health, but there is still a massive taboo. And you know, a lot of our customers are middle American women, very religious backgrounds and trying to kind of help them move through their sexual shame and their sexual stigma is really challenging because of the social element of that biopsychosocial, the social narratives that we still have and hold around sex. So yeah, unfortunately, it's still very taboo. <laughs> That's, that's a little, it's a little discouraging to hear. I mean, I, I kind of, you might, you guys might be a little bit younger, but like, I remember when Sex in the City came out and it was like that, that did a lot in terms of reshaping the conversation around, you know, what it was like to be a woman who was single and, you know, in her thirties or forties. Now I think they're like in their sixties, but anyway, um, you know, but it's like, but even still as you age, I mean, there's a different conversation around sex and there's different stigma around it. Emily, I want to bring you in the conversation here um, just to see if you have anything that you'd like to add on that. I think Billy, Billy did a great job of, of kind of throwing the conversation 
conversation to you, particularly around this issue of feeling shame. So what can you add? Is there still stigma from where you sit in the type of coaching that you're doing? Yeah, I think Billy explained it perfectly. Um, you know, I live in this bubble, this like sex ed, sexual wellness bubble. So in my little world, like we are breaking stigmas. It is out there, like it is the norm, but you know, my bubble is not the world. So I think she, she did a great job of being like, yes, we're making progress, but in like the greater global sense, like it's still stigmatized. So um, I don't think I really have anything to add, but you know, there are so many more books and podcasts and like people talking about this. I mean, Sex Love well, Goop just came out on Netflix. That was huge. Yeah. So, well, I was going to say like in your little bubble then, you do feel like it's not as stigmatized. So say a little bit there about that, because I'm curious, like, you know, for all of us who are in this health and wellness bubble, do you feel like that the lack of, like the fact that it's not so much stigmatized there, I mean, has that changed recently or has the, the dynamic of that shifted at all? Yeah, I think it like it's just ever growing and ever expanding and becoming less and less stigmatized. The more resources that are out there, um, like I just mentioned, Sex Love Goop, I mean, that being on Netflix or different um, websites and books and podcasts. So the more that people can start finding ways to move through their shame and move into like get their questions answered and get real world sex education, um, the less stigmatized it becomes. And so now people can do that on their own if they find these little threads of um, media, um, but often they still need support and like someone, um, it really needs to be done in relationship, right? Shame makes us like feel like we're all alone. So through coaching, through groups, that's really the main piece that helps people move through their shame and into their empowerment. All right, Corinne, is there still stigma around um, cannabis use, especially now that it's legal in a lot of places? Yes. Yes. There's a lot of stigma. And I love that Emily talked about the bubble because I think that, you know, cannabis and sex are really kind of sharing this renaissance for lack of a better term, where there are a lot more resources. We have more research than ever that shows us how we can use this plant holistically, um, that it's so much more than THC. It's so much more than Tommy Chong, you know, Cheech and Chong kind of culture. Um, there's so much more to it. But I live in a place, I live in Colorado, I live in a place where we've had access to cannabis for almost a decade now, and it still has a stigma around it. Because when most people think about cannabis, they do think about THC. Now we've had, luckily here in the United States, we've had the farm bill that passed in 2018, which legalized to a certain extent other cannabinoids, but that's led to a whole other host of issues. So as soon as we were able to be using cannabis for its non-psychoactive components, non-intoxicating components, all of these other cannabinoids have been synthesized and invented that are flooding our market. So not only do we have stigma, but we have some kind of scary product development happening, which makes people really confused. Um, so I think that there's like a lot to navigate as we're stepping into this new world that we're saying, okay, no, it's not scary, but okay, but you have to be careful about this. But you know, it just becomes this tightrope that you have to walk um, and everyone is coming at it wanting to use it for a different thing. So it's it's so dynamic. Um, but I do know that when, with our clients and, and with our students and with people who train as cannabis coaches, the biggest thing that we have to really overcome, even with clients is stigma, because they're afraid that maybe taking their morning dose, even if it's a microdose of THC, that's not gonna be intoxicating, that their grandma's gonna think they're a stoner or they're not gonna be able to take care of their kids or they're not gonna be able to show up at work in a powerful way. And it's a lot to unpack all of that with our clients. And so, like Emily said, um, I believe that, you know, they just need support. They need that group. They need someone to kind of hold their hand and as they navigate the path so that they don't feel like they have to internalize that stigma. Um, this is a perfect place to talk about how other kinds of coaches, specifically those who are watching this, can help. So it's like, I mean, you guys are doing your part, you know, to help destigmatize this by, by having these very specific, very targeted conversations in your wheelhouse, your area of expertise. When it comes to other coaches that might be out there and wanting to, you know, you know, maybe provide different opportunities to the people that they're coaching, you know, maybe you should think about this. You know, how do you bring this stuff up? I'd love to hear 
here, you know, how, first of all, how other health and wellness coaches can help destigmatize and your advice for how they bring it up. I mean, so is it like, here you are, we're talking about like, I'm a nutrition coach. I'm asking you about, you know, how things are going as far as your diet. It's like, how's your sex life? Or so want to get high? Like, what do you, I mean, how do you bring this stuff up in a way where it doesn't feel, um, like it's not scary where it's like, you know, something that's interesting. And like, how do you, like, is there, are there certain words to use? Are there certain ways to bring the conversation up? And like, you know, how do you maybe work with a client through that? Is it like a one and done or do you bring it back up? Maybe send some resources. Like tell us how health coaches um, can help support destigmatizing cannabis use and, and the sexual health stuff. Emily, let's start with you. Why don't you give us like some tips there when it comes to particularly your area, I mean, which is so focused, it's got a very big mental health component. I mean, how, how, do, how does a regular coach support you destigmatizing this space? Yeah, great question. The first thing I would say is um, doing the work on yourself as the coach. So the more you dissolve your own shame around your sexuality and find your own confidence and empowerment, even if you're not a sex coach, you're going to emanate this space of like, this is an okay conversation and I'm okay having this conversation and hearing about it. We communicate so much that's nonverbal. So if you still have a lot of your own sexual confusion or shame, like that is going to be communicated. And then I would say for the best way to bring it up, um, as a health coach would first to be to get consent from their client. Like, hey, you know, sexual health is a component of overall health and wellness. Is that something you would like to talk about here? So first off consent, and then if it is, um, you know, just asking like, it, how, how is it going? Like, is, is your sexual health contributing to your overall wellness or is it retracting from? And just starting with that. Um, broad question. All right, Corinne, how about you on the on the cannabis side? I mean, like, how how can a health and wellness coach help destigmatize that topic? Yeah, I think the first thing is to get really, really well educated because it is so much more than THC. And again, that's where a lot of people are entering into this conversation because of adult use laws. Um, you have to know a lot about this plant, how it works how it grows in the plant and then how it works within the human body. And then you also have to work with clients fairly long-term to help them with titration, getting things dialed in because it's not a one size fits all kind of plant medicine. Um, and again, everyone's using it for a different thing. So someone might come to you and we have coaches that specialize in cannabis and sexuality. So some of your clients might be coming to you wanting to work with the plant in that way. Some are coming for anxiety. Some might be coming for all sorts of different things. So making sure that you really understand this plant in a holistic way is the most important thing. And then the second thing is really public education. That's where we need coaches out there. Once they're educated themselves, um, just, you know, just like Emily said, you do the work on yourself and then you kind of go out and emanate that this is okay. This is, look at, like I function, I've helped and I've healed myself. Like I'm coming from a place of experience and education and I want to share that with you. And I think that is like one of the biggest things that is so needed as we kind of continue to walk, like I said, this tightrope of what is this? How are we going to bring this plant medicine into health and wellness? Um, so yeah, I think that's okay. Billy, what would you add to this? I mean, on like the back onto the sexual health side of things. I mean, how do you how do you destigmatize that? If you're a regular, if you're a health or a wellness coach that's focused on a completely different area, I mean, because so much of that is connected. Yeah, I think actually what Emily and Karina have both said is totally right. But I think it also exists on a spectrum. So if you're a health coach who isn't a specialist in sex and isn't a cannabis that doesn't mean that you can't still introduce those topics and start to be helpful to your clients but I think what Emily and Corinne both said there which is really important is you need to know your boundaries as a coach and to understand what you can educate and support on and what you need to then pass along to other specialists so getting to know the people within your network other health coaches or therapists or specialists that are experts in that area and can really provide the uh, person in front of you with the support that they need and the resources, whether that's on the web, whether that's books, podcasts, media. So that's the first thing is you don't need to be a specialist in this to support the person in front of you. So if you're sitting here today listening to this panel and you're thinking, this sounds like such an interesting space, but I'm nowhere near on that journey, you know, to becoming an expert, 
you can do so much with people standing in front of you by just bringing it up and introducing it and helping people understand that there are these options out there, all these areas of their health that they can lean into and then signposting them and moving them on to the right person. I trained as a health coach with IIN, so the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and that focused very much on nutrition. But I went through some sexual trauma in 2016. And as I was coaching, kind of what Emily said, I was doing the work on myself and my sexuality. And so as I was asking the people in front of me, they're 360, you know, what are all the pillars of your health? I asked the question around sex and it wasn't because I was an expert to be able to give expert opinion and guide them. It was just creating a safe space to open up that topic. And then I was able to guide them on. I'm doing this research. I'm exploring these topics. These are some experts in the space that really appealed to me. Why don't you track, track them, check them out? But just having a safe space to finally talk about this area of their health or an interest area like cannabis is really powerful as a coach. So I think knowing your boundaries, but then also, as Emily said, this is, these are all really important pillars of our health. So just create a safe space to have those conversations. Real quick, let's, let's double click on that safe space thing, because I think that's really important. And I love what you've said, because you've all said, it's like, you know, get to f- figure it out for yourself as the coach, know your boundaries, know when to refer, but it's like how, creating that safe space, hot tips for doing that, because that's not like an easy thing to just, oh, let me just magically create a safe space here. And I think what Emily said before is asking for consent to bring this stuff up. That's a great tip. Do you guys have any other tips about how a coach can do this, help create that safe space, like a great question to ask, a way to bring it up um like is there anything that you guys go to or that that you often hear um a person who comes to you has heard from the health coach who referred them corinne maybe do you have anything well i think one of the things especially when you're in a place where prohibition has been repealed you can say you can kind of bring that up hey prohibition has been repealed have you you know have you heard anything about cannabis are you curious about it at all i think you can kind of open it up there it is a little trickier in places where access is still limited um, but I love what Emily said, and I, I just think it's so important. The consent piece is, is the most important part when you're creating a safe space is just checking in. And so I would just reiterate that as well. Yeah, and I think from what we see is actually sometimes starting it around relationships first and then moving it more explicitly into sex and pleasure, because relationships is sometimes an easier way in. You can talk about that as a single person. You can talk about that as a person in a relationship. You know, how are they serving you right now? What is what is um, making you happy in that space? What is not making you unhappy in that space? So that's also a way in rather than explicitly going to how often do you orgasm and, uh, you know, that, that, that pleasure component, which is a trickier part. Um, the other thing is actually having that conversation before you sit in front of your client. So practicing that conversation, if you're someone that is new to talking about sex or talking about these taboo topics and you know there's a little bit of discomfort there or you're still bringing a little bit of awkwardness, practice on it with people, either the other health coaches or family or loved ones, you know, whoever you feel like you can have that conversation with. So by the time you blurt out, do you want to talk about sex? You're, you're not sitting there going, do you want to talk about sex? You know, you're, you're already confident in that space, which makes the other person feel a lot more confident. I love that. So it's like disarming it by, yeah. by, your, by disarming yourself when you're talking about, I love that. I think that's great advice. And it's not an easy thing. Yeah, go ahead, Corinne. Yeah, because I think, um, you know, you brought up a really good point there. You know, we have that same kind of thing with CBD where it's that like, instead of going like, hey, let's talk about this thing that could just blow your mind and, and change your life. Um, we can talk about how CBD works on a physiological level. It's a lot less taboo than talking about things like THC. So I think that there's that there's always that place that's like a little bit more comfortable that you can kind of ease into as well. I like that. I think it's helpful for us to hear about these entry points into the conversation. You know, the other thing I want to ask you guys is as you work with other coaches, when you receive referrals in, or as you have a relationship with another and you're spoke, focused specifically on, on the things that are your area of expertise, whether it be cannabis or sex, you know, how do you like that relationship to go? Like, I mean, for those out there who are like listening to this and are like, and now I know these three ladies. And so watch out, your inbox are going to be flooded with referrals. Like, give us a little bit of a sense of how you enjoy working with other, um, other types of coaches. Like, is there a best way to do this? Like, give us like a little bit of insight because I can't imagine that there are a lot of you. You're probably in the minority, almost like the same way a specialist is in any type of medical field, right? There's a lot of primary care docs and then there's like a smaller group of people that are specialists. So how do you like that referral process to go? 
I can start because it's super easy on our side because I don't we don't do one to one coaching um, as ours is all digital. So for us, we actually give coaches a free membership to Furley. So it's really simple. You can just get a code. You get free access to the platform. You can then familiarize yourself with it, listen to the content, go through the programs, understand what we're offering. And then you can refer that on to your clients and whoever you're working with. So referrals are like one of our biggest acquisition channels for us. Um, We're really complimentary to coaches because coaches struggle with adherence. So getting people to do the work between sessions and then they struggle with sort of offboarding. Where do they send them after you've done your kind of time with them? So mm-hmm. some of us, you know, we do shorter periods of time when we coach. Some of us go on for years. But when you move on and when a client moves on, where do they go to create that long-term behavior change and to sustain those habits and those rituals? And that's where Furley is really powerful. So we're slightly different in that way. We work as a, as a really complementary tool. And I'm, I think Rebecca will give everyone in that's listening into this panel a free code. So you <laughs> I always love when we give stuff away. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Emily, what would you add to that? I mean, like that your your model is a little bit different. So how do you how do you enjoy working with referring coaches? One of the main ways that I work with coaches um, is being a guest teacher in their group coaching program. So I've done this um, with life coaches and love coaches where, you know, they'll have a week about sex or about um, sensuality or um, whatever it is in that realm. And I'll come in and teach a a class for their group. Yeah. So I really enjoy that. That works really well. Um, And like I said, I also have coaches as clients because like I said, doing the work on yourself is the best way to Um, become that safe space for someone else. And then within that coaching, we also can do mentoring. You know, they can bring case studies to me and we can kind of talk about, you know, the best way to move forward with their particular clients. Corinne, what would you add? Like, how do you, how, how does this work with, with cannabis? Because I mean, yeah. there are so many different, I mean, not only on the CBD side, but also on the THC side, there's so many different ways that people could get referred to you. So, I mean, how do you, how do you prefer that go down? Yeah. So since 2018, we've trained over 300 health coaches who specialize in cannabis at the Cannabis Coaching Institute. And we're a continuing education provider for the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching. And we're, um, that's how I prefer to do it. I want there to be more health coaches who specialize in cannabis um, because, oh man, just like Billy said, it's, uh, there's that adherence part that is very challenging, even with cannabis, um, getting people to be consistent about changing their behaviors. And so when people are really interested in this plant, it's, I think it's really important for them to also have the skills of coaching. Uh, but we also have a cannabis education program for people who are already trained as health coaches um, or who work in a wellness capacity in some way, physicians and nurses. Um, So that's really what my vision is, is to have this plant integrated into health and wellness and into the healthcare system. Um, And so that's the work that we're doing right now. All right. I want to do a quick round of best part about working with your own clients that you coach, and then also the most challenging parts, but let's start with the best part of it. Okay. So, um, Emily, let's start with you. So, I mean, when, when you're working with somebody, like talk to me about like the, the most like rewarding part of this, like what, it, what is like the best case scenario of your coaching look like, like when you've achieved like a, a success with a client? Mm. Yeah, it's actually quite simple. Most people come to me feeling like they're, um, broken or they're not normal or something is very wrong with them. And it actually often doesn't take that much education and coaching for them to go, oh, wait a second, there's nothing wrong with me. You mean that's normal? Because we have such, we all have such limited sex education that we're just working in such a sphere of like, if I'm anything outside of this narrow uh, hallway of what I learned was normal, then I must be like, totally wrong and just letting people know like no that is normal and just the way the shame can melt actually so quickly and just those like aha moments for me that's the best part and um, I'd say sometimes the most challenging part if I'm working with a um, a single person um, or not a single person but just someone on their own not a couple okay. sometimes you know they're doing all this big transformational work and then they sometimes have trouble like going back to their partner and like the patterns that are there. 
Um, or if I'm working with a single person and, you know, we're working on like relational pieces, but they don't have a partner yet. So sometimes there can be a challenge with doing the work on yourself, but then bridging that into um, partnerships. And that's not always a problem, but sometimes can be. The thing about health coaching is brought to you by Your Coach Health, the only operating system for behavior change powered by health coaches. We help a growing roster of industry partners stand up or augment their health coaching operations with the largest supply of validated health coaches and proprietary technology for seamless integration. We are the premier virtual home for health and wellness coaching, an ecosystem built to empower health coaches while expanding access to their services through our industry partnerships. To find out more, head over to yourcoach.health or yourcoachhealth on all the socials. Join us on the health coaching revolution as we strive to deliver the power of health coaching to the eight and a half billion global population by 2030. All right, Billy, how about you? What's the, what's this like the, the successful, the successfully coached client from Furley? What does that look like? And then also talk a little bit about some of the challenge. Yeah, so I think what Emily said is, is ditto basically, but I'll give an example instead. We had a woman uh, email us the other day. So she was raped six years ago and has been married for the last five years and has been unable to have intimacy or sexual intercourse with her partner for the last five years without having panic attacks. And she used Furley for six weeks and emailed us and she said, Team Furley, you have changed my life and saved my marriage. I was able to have intercourse for the first time in five years. And I think that, you know, this is going to save everything. And when you hear stories like that, it's just such a profound kind of privilege to be on the receiving end of that. And that is what helping and coaching women through sex and sexuality and sexual well-being is. It's not about helping. I mean, it is also about, but it's not just about helping people who are already superly sexually empowered just have that even better orgasm. That's amazing. But it's really powerful when you help women who have real challenges with sex that are massively impacting their relationships their mental health their physical health and when you help them move through that that's just such a, a gorgeous experience so that's one on the positive I think on the challenging side um the most difficult bit right now that we're finding is actually communicating what kind of sex coaching or sex therapy is about and the value of it and helping people see what the experience is, what it's going to be about, how to kind of integrate it into their lives. I think that a lot of us still feel like sex is indulgent and not a priority. And even when it's really negatively impacting our lives, we see that spending an hour a week kind of investing in our sexuality and doing those practices, exploring our body, kind of uh, exploring the way our mind functions in terms of sex still very indulgent and that's a that's a narrative that we need to shift you know you don't see going to the gym as indulgent or you know going for a walk or going for a run we see that as necessary for our physical health because we've done such a great job of branding physical activity and physical exercise and I think sex still has a branding issue um, and we need to help everyone kind of see the importance of it and that it's not indulgent and it is something that we can overcome. Real quick, how would you fix the branding of sex? Because I get what you're saying completely. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, if you have like- I, No, I, I laugh because I'm yeah. like, that's not a quick question. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not, but it's like, I mean, that's just so interesting. Like how you said though, it's like people really do don't, don't feel badly about spending an hour going to the gym because we've heard from, you know, the CDC or whomever that, you know, 45 minutes of exercise a day is great for you. So like, how do you fix the branding of sex? It, there's, there's so many things that we need to change here, but I think that, what Emily mentioned earlier, platforms like Goop, making it super common on, on platforms like Netflix, you know, introducing us to these concepts in places that we already exist and that we are consuming in our regular day-to-day -day lives removes a level of shame. There's an amazing um, TV show in the UK called Sex Education, which has done a phenomenal job of really destigmatizing a lot of the topics. And again, it's on Netflix. It's bringing it into culture and really bringing it back into sort of the everyday and finding language that resonates with the end user, the end consumer. Because I think we still don't quite have the language around it. And then I think one of the challenges that coaches have is often we're one man bands. And actually what we're amazing at is coaching. We're not marketers, we're not branding specialists. Um, and, you know, I am 
totally inept creatively. Like it's not my forte at all. And luckily I have a team that does that. But as when I was coaching, my website was a shambles. You know, my language was a mess, the imagery and the kind of um, the way that, that my website was presented wasn't good. And I think that, that a lot of us struggle with that and make sex still feel quite kind of left field, a bit woo woo, um, often case can be the case. So we need to do some work on just making it feel very modern, making it feel very contemporary, using the right language that resonates, um, realizing that for, because I think one of the other problems is the bubble that we live in when we're in this space. So we're so comfortable with, with certain terminology or certain words or certain language. And then we're throwing these words out and others are coming into it are like, oh, what is this language? I don't resonate with it. Exactly. You know, you have to meet them where they're at. Like one of our biggest challenges we're trying to steer women away from an orgasm because it's it's part of the problem is chasing this goal. Right, but like you're supposed to have an orgasm. Have an orgasm. That's how we know it's over, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, it's okay it not to. <laughs> exactly. But if you tell women like, don't worry about the orgasm. I'm here, come and learn about this. They're immediately like, oh, I'm uninterested. You've lost my interest. Whereas if you say like, you're going to be able to orgasm, they're like, okay, I'm here. Like, how do I? And then you're supposed to, to do like, that. Yeah, like teach them. Actually, it's not about the orgasm, but so it's kind of like cloak and dagger situation. No, that's very I think interesting. That's a challenge. Yeah. No, I think that's really interesting. So it's like, it's like, it's the way that we are talking about this stuff, the language we're using, and also the frequency of how much it's mentioned and where yeah. it's mentioned, having yeah. that mainstream, mainstreamization of yeah. it so that it comes up often and regularly. And it seems like something we should be doing, like eating our fruits and veggies and going for yes. yeah, 45 minutes of, yeah, and having regular sex. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would just like to add one thing there. Um, just one quick line it's like your sexuality is not separate from your humanity yes even on like a very like biological level we have an endocrine system we have a sexual response system yeah. and just this basic education that this is a normal part of being a functioning human like something that basic to really bring it into like the health space mm. i think is so destigmatizing it's just Love like that. it's just normal We've tapped into the passion here, people. Yeah, go ahead, Corinne, because I'm coming. I'm coming back to you, Corinne, right now, because I really still want to hear about the, the good, the success, and the challenges of your your job. But chime in here on this first. Well, yeah, I want to piggyback on what Billy said and what Emily just said because we have an endocannabinoid system. Like, I'm gonna now I'm gonna use the terminology that people are like, wait, no, what? My brain shuts down. But we have an endocannabinoid system. Our body makes cannabinoids that are very similar in that. Uh, they regulate our entire system. It is the it's the most important homeostatic system in our entire body. And cannabis, I know, I know, I know you're shaking your head. Just I didn't so even I know this existed. What? <laughs> and that's actually when you ask the most rewarding part of my job, it's when we get to educate our coaches around that and they get to go out in their communities and say, hey, you know why cannabis works? Because this is how your body works. And this is, we, you know, we've known about this receptor system since the 90s. But it takes so long for doctors to start integrating what we know about it. And for the most part, the physicians are not taught about this particular system. Like they'll learn about the endocrine system. They'll learn about um, hormones and all these other things. But your endocannabinoid system, something that regulates your sleep, your digestion, your reproductive function, uh, your stress levels, uh, it, it is uh, a big player in PTSD because of how it interacts with the amygdala. Like it is a very important system. And that's why sometimes I think when people hear the list of things that CBD is good for, right, or the, the things that THC might be helpful with, it kind of sounds like a panacea at first. But when you understand how the body works and how that particular system works, the stigma is gone. And that's what um, Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, she's like, anytime somebody comes at me and starts talking about uh, how cannabis is bad and how these things, she's like, the first thing I start with is how it works in the human body. Because when you take out um, what people think about it, what we've been told about it since, you know, they've been cracking eggs in frying pans, it starts to like become a different conversation, right? So I do, I think that's the most rewarding and, and the best part of our job as coach trainers. Um, but I will say the most challenging part is that conversation because when you say endocannabinoid system, sometimes people's oh, eyes plays yeah. over, and then you have to have this whole, and you're like, okay, well, does this and this and this, and they're like, okay, wait, what? How does this all work? And so it can be a complex conversation, and um, and it's not it's not simple, just like sexuality, it's just not simple. Um, so I I do think that 
that's kind of the challenge is taking it out of the nerd realm and putting it into like, this is how you actually do this. Like, how do we have these conversations in communities that, um, you know, have been really disproportionately, um, you know, impacted by the war on drugs, right? Where, where people down the street are like, oh my gosh, you're a cannabis coach. We have coaches that are, you know, in Detroit who are, you know, coming out in that way and people are scared for them. They, there's a huge fear. Um, and they're, I mean, it's still federally prohibited and it's still illegal in most places. And so that obviously is its own thing, um, its own set of challenges. Um, but, it, you know, it's, I think it's having these conversations that is super important right now. So it's that, it's kind of double-edged sword because it's challenge, it's the challenge, but it's also like the benefit and the opportunity in this kind of coaching is that you get to really make a big impact. That's it's so interesting to me. I mean, because I think that's the, that's why this stuff is so, you know, bundled under the unmentionables category or into the stigmatized category, because there is a double-edged sword to it. I want to dig a little bit into this side of things. And like, because of the fact that it's like, there is this like, you know, Corinne, like you just said, in certain places, cannabis is still illegal. And, you know, I mean, there are, how do we say this? Like maybe dangerous sides to both sex and drugs. I mean, like in the sense of like, there are negative consequences that we've been told about. I love Corinne, what you said about since people were cracking eggs and frying pans, because that is such a throwback to me. Like, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Like totally for those who did not get that, you have to like YouTube that video. Um, but yeah, I grew up in that era. So it's like, when you, when it comes down to it, you guys, like when you're looking at like, because you can't ignore the dangers. You know what I mean? Like you're obviously professionals, you're health professionals. You don't want to hurt anybody. Like, how do you mitigate that fear around the topics that you have? And I know we just got into this conversation about, you know, the education around some of the actual physical systems in our body, but let's take it back even, you know, the bigger picture. Like, how do we help in this group of coaches that are watching this right now? How do we help kind of alleviate some of the fear around that stuff that could be some of the the more specific negative things that could happen like oh if I were to go and explore my sexuality all of a sudden you know I'm going to be having sex all over the place there's promiscuity I'm going to have an STD I'm going to become a sex addict or on the other side with the CBD it's like this is it this is a gateway drug and now the next thing you know two years from now I'm going to be doing heroin like how do you I mean how do you prevent that type of like you know train off the tracks kind of thinking you know or do you have any advice for that for people can I really quick, just, just because uh, the mentioning of the gateway drug thing, um, because that's another, I mean, that's a legacy right. of eggs and frying pans. So yeah. we know that cannabis has a very high safety profile. The World Health Organization has said so. So um, there, the, the risks aren't as high as we were always taught, and it is a very safe plant medicine to utilize. However, there are contraindications with, uh, with medications, and there are things to be aware of um, in terms of overconsumption of THC and dependence and those kinds of things. So while it is safe, that's one of the reasons why I said earlier that if you're interested in this line of work, becoming fully educated, understanding that there are professional guidelines, that you have to stay in your own lane, that you are not a physician, that you know, you, you're working with a plant medicine uh, and you have to navigate that in a really nuanced way to make sure that your client has the best experience possible and so that you're safe as a coach. Right, because That's we're not, you know what I mean. It's not. It's like we really want people to go out there and talk about this. But if you don't understand that nuance, if you don't take the time to educate yourself, it can be really, really challenging to navigate those things. So that's that's all I'll say about that. No, and that's exactly what I was getting at. That's exactly what I was trying to get at, Corinne, is that how do we keep both the the person who is being coached and also the coach safe in all of this stuff? Because you know there are more. Like, I mean, I'm on the side of the benefits of this, but you can't talk about the benefits and completely disregard some of the potentially dangerous things or negative things that are either being said or true or worried about. So it's like, I appreciate that advice around that. Um, Emily or, or Billy, do you have anything that you'd like to add about that in terms of like navigating like some of the other, you know, maybe the more dangerous sides of, of sexual coaching in the sense of, in, in the sense that, you know, there's like that negative, the negative stigma that's attached to these areas. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned earlier and I would also just echo Corinne, there is a bit of a problem in this industry that you can become a qualified sex coach in a weekend. And it depends what you then do with that qualification and that information. You know, if you're taking that qualification to be able to feel comfortable to open up a conversation about it and then you're signposting on, that's 
fine. If you're doing that to suddenly give advice and, and step outside of your lane, as Corinne said, then that's really not. So it's a real recognition and your responsibility as a coach to understand what that qualification really gives you. And then also to be really explicit to your clients around what that qualification gives you. Because I think as a consumer, and I think this is one of the issues with health coaching more generally, it's really challenging as a consumer to navigate what these different qualifications mean, what these different training protocols mean, um, and therefore who they can trust. And especially within sex, unfortunately, there is a lot of vulnerability in this space because of serious trauma that people have lived through. And with that trauma becomes a real desire to kind of move through that and overcome that. And they will go down any route necessary at times. And we've heard of like really difficult and horrendous experiences where women have gone away on these sort of sex coaching camps or weekend retreats and been made to engage in very dangerous activities in the framing of this will be sexually liberating Um, and that's really problematic so I think it's less about um, like if I start exploring my sexuality am I going to become a sex addict and like we need to kind of reconcile that because our sexuality is a living breathing part of who we are it's how we express ourselves, it's how we build relationships, it's our confidence, our self-esteem, our self-efficacy. And we're not suddenly going to become a sex addict and like suddenly, you know, want to have sex with everything that moves. But I think the more challenging thing is the lack of qualification um, that exists in this industry and therefore what that does with the vulnerability of the people that you're holding space for. And I think that's the negative side of this space. And Emily, you might know a little bit more of that because in the somatic space, it's very sort of hands-on embodied um, and there's a really fine line that you have to kind of tread with your clients. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that anybody who is a sex coach or bringing up sexuality with their clients absolutely needs to be trauma-informed, needs to know the signs to look out for in their clients that they are being triggered or re-traumatized and what to do in the moment to keep them present in their body and okay. So I'd say that is baseline. And beyond that, if you are not um, certified in a trauma resolution technique, or if you're not a therapist, um, you have to be really um, clear about what you're doing with your clients and to refer out when you start to tread into um, sexual trauma territory that needs someone who really knows what trauma resolution is all about and to you know refer on and let somebody else do that. And just always remembering that coaching is about going from where we are now to, you know, the goal, where they want to be. And if it's about something that happened in the past, you got to know that like, you know, unless you have those um, extra trainings or you are a therapist, that that is not your territory. But yeah, baseline, I'd say everybody needs to know like the, a few like tools to keep their clients safe and then know when to refer out beyond that. Emily, do you have a good source for those? Um, yeah, there are, uh, I mean, so I'm, I've, uh, gone through the training with, um, somatic experiencing trauma resolution. Um, but there's also, uh, organic intelligence and Hakomi. These are great, um, institutes that are specifically about trauma resolution and, and embodied like somatic because, you know, our trauma imprints live in the body. It's not just a mental thing. It's how our body responds, um, in moments. Um, so I would start there with any of those, um, institutes. Okay. Billy, were you going to add something? I I was just going to say that I think, um, this is a really difficult topic to talk about because no one, especially anyone in the coaching field does it with misintent, like ill intent. You know, people see someone in front of them that is going through something. They just want to help. We can so easily be like, oh, I can help you. I've, you know, read a few things or I've seen a few things. I can give you that information. So it's never coming from a bad place and it's just having that self-awareness of okay this is my boundary and like I need to then refer on and support this person by actually stepping back no I love that and that's why we had to step into the the the, the not so light side of this conversation because I want to because sometimes you know that's that's the point where you wish you had some advice that you could harken back mm. to about how to handle it right it's like when it comes up all right so back to the more fun side of things because we're wrapping up here We've got a few minutes left so really quickly ladies I'd like to do like a lightning round of you know how, how do people get started in your respective areas of coaching talking more about sex and drugs whether it is with the intention to refer 
explore or even to try things themselves or to just read up on it. So I'd love to know like your top resource and let's not all list our own websites because people will look you up. So that answer off the table, okay? But like if you were, if somebody were to ask like, you know, Billy, what are you reading right now? Or like, what's a great, you know, email newsletter for me to sign up for? Or like, how can I learn more about what you're doing? Like, where do you draw your inspiration for some of the stuff that you do or that you talk about at Curly? Like, what's your answer, okay? So Billy, we'll start with you. We'll put you on the spot. So two things, we're very scientifically informed and, and really leveraged the science. So Dr. Laurie Brotto is amazing. She's um, uh, a psychosexual therapist and has specialized in female desire and female sexuality and the use of mindfulness and has done a lot of clinical trials and research. So if you are a bit of a nerd, a bit of a science nerd and can handle academic literature and academic journals, then Dr. Laurie's work is really amazing. So Dr. Laurie Brotto. And then if you want something a little bit more um, easily digestible, Emily Nagowski writes an incredible book called Come As You Are, which again, goes into the science of sex and has really helpful exercises. And it's just, whenever we recommend that book, everyone comes back within two days and they're like, oh my God, I binged the whole thing. It's incredible. So Emily Nagowski, Dr. Laurie Brotto, they are two pinup women in our space. I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Cause it's always, you know, hard to find like a way to wade into this stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. So Emily, what would you add to that? Are there any resources that you like for us to wade into more of the somatic side of things here? Yeah. I was also going to recommend come as you are by, oh, Emily, perfect. Yeah, by <laughs> Emily Nagoski. Um, two I mean, out of two sexual health coaches on this panel refer to that book. <laughs> I mean, 100%. And then the other book I'll recommend, um, I have it right here, so I'll hold it up. Awesome. Called, yeah. Call of the Wild wow. by uh, Kimberly Ann Johnson. And it's really, um, uh, it really explains how trauma works in the body and how to start to move through that trauma from a very somatic lens. So I think if people are like, oh, okay, like how do I learn a little bit more about trauma and like to work with it in my own body and just to like see the signs in other bodies and how that works. This is a great book to start to wade into that territory. Awesome. All right, Corinne, close us out here. How do we wade into understanding cannabis? And it doesn't have to be a book. It could be a podcast, oh. a website, anything. Tell us. It's going to be a book. I'm opening a bookstore this week. And I'm so glad you guys mentioned that book because we just got Come As You Are In. So <laughs> oh, awesome. Um, but my favorite cannabis book, if you are um, looking at this and you really want a very medical um, in health and wellness uh, healthcare lens, um, I would say uh, Dr. Bonnie Goldstein's Cannabis is Medicine is phenomenal. It's uh, She goes through um, a really comprehensive education and then the back you get condition-based um, guidance around like how to navigate those kinds of things. Um, so I love that as a book. There is also a tool um, for, for those of you who are like, oh, do we actually have research about this um, called Canna Keys that shows you the incredible breadth of research that we currently have and it breaks it down for you. So you can look at cannabinoids and what uh, dosing structures they were using for certain types of literature. So if you are super nerdy, I would uh, suggest Canakees. Um, just if you're looking at it from a healthcare, health coaching perspective, I think Dr. Bonnie Goldstein's book is an incredible place to start. Awesome. All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much. I hope this, I mean, to, at least to me, I feel this conversation delivered. Yes, correct. Oh, oh, one more thing. I'm so sorry, but there is an <laughs> intersection here because, um, so I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but cannabis lubricant has been a very big, um, uh, thing, uh, for many, many years now. Um, and I, I, uh, I know a lot of people who have made their way from, um, being in uh, feeling sexual, excuse me, experiencing sexual dysfunction to becoming cannabis coaches and becoming health and sex coaches, um, because of that one product. And so I will say that that intersection, uh, highly recommended if you can try it. Love that. Thank you. I enjoy the product recommendation that covers the entire panel. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies, this was truly a fantastic conversation. I love your passion for your spaces. And I love the fact that you just let us pick your brain about, you know, how, how people can help bring this up in their own coaching practice, how, you know, to avoid some of the pitfalls, how to shape the language, how to contribute to destigmatizing this broadly. So thank you so much. I truly appreciate your candor um, and your passion. Truly, the passion is the best word I can. I can choose to express it. I love it. All right. Thank you guys so much. Everybody, please thank Emily Athena. Thank Billy Quinlan and Corinne Tobias for joining us here today. And also let's thank our friends over there at your hotel. I'm Jessica Massa. Thanks for, for being here with us. Bye.